you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. It's the Friday night edition of Locked On Browns, brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, I have a very special guest here this evening. We're going to give you guys a couple of picks here later, give you a promo code from mybookie. Uh, You guys get over there. Look, Cleveland's off this week. They're on the bye. Look, everybody's going to be sitting around watching games. And look, Cleveland will not lose this week, which is a good thing going that way for all you Browns fans. But look, if you have no rooting, vetting interest, everybody always likes to maybe have a couple of dollars down. So me and Mark will uh, give you a couple of picks here. Uh, Guests tonight, uh, first things first, I do want to thank all you guys. The last two days, the last two episodes, it has been the highest traffic that Locked On Browns has had in its existence. Cannot thank you guys much. Uh, I, I cannot thank you guys enough. I truly appreciate it. Now that I got the software down, the producing you know side of it down, guys, I can bring you solid guests. Please keep listening, keep subscribing, give those five-star reviews. I cannot be thankful enough. Uh, tonight's guest, uh, like I said, we're going to keep it you know fun here. You know during the bye week, you know get to just you know more Browns and and you know more you know draft related stuff. Um, this week I brought to you uh, I, tonight. I've got uh, Mark Schofield from Inside the Pylon, part of the BR One Thousand. You know uh, evaluating quarterbacks, author of Seventeen Drives, uh, host of Locked On Patriots. Mr. Mark Schofield. Mark, did I miss anything? Actually, you kind of did, but that's okay. We don't have to get into everything that I do, man. It's good to talk to you, buddy. It's been too long since we've talked, buddy. Uh, look, I mean, once I got this, I mean, look, there, there was a lot more than I was ready for. But, uh, look, took a, lot, took a lot of work, took a lot of research. Obviously, thankful for you, you know, Zach, uh, so many guys over at Locked On. Look, I mean, the best thing for all of us with these shows is that everybody's putting out quality content and everybody's putting out quality shows. It only helps everybody else out. So the, you know, the, the fact that everybody's always willing to extend a hand and everything, uh, you know, I appreciate all of you guys. and want to make sure all those guys know that. Uh, before we get into it too much, Mark, how's the fam? How's everything going? Live, live the dream, man. I mean, I'm not on daddy Uber duty like you are tonight. So I got that going for me. I mean, you're going to have to hit the record button, hit the stop button, produce this puppy up, and then hop in the car and pick up the kids. See, well, the thing is, is uh, my oldest daughter uh, in class, three of her closest friends, all part of my soccer team. So I have to make sure these girls get home at an appropriate time. Otherwise, you know, I have my wife handing out Coca-Cola's pregame because, uh, you know, I got to make sure a sleepover doesn't happen here because these girls will sleepwalk through a game. So, you know, this is important stuff here I got tonight. Dude, coach has to have that bed check, right? Absolutely. Get a little, uh, get a little uh, you know, curfew for the kids. I gave them the one opportunity of a sleepover on a Friday night and playing the following day. It was atrocious. Luckily, we won the game, but, uh, you know, my four girls that I count on, uh, they were not the ones counted on that day. Um, Mark, before we go any further, look, obviously yesterday was a rough day, uh, the Sean Watson news. Uh, for me, already my favorite rookie running back, the new guy I had tops, Dalvin Cook, already down. Um, for you yesterday, uh, you know, look, sometimes, you know, when we do what we do and how we talk about this, you know, your brand, your resume gets made when you went out on a lit, you know, when you backed a guy, you know, yesterday was a tough day for you. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson, you know, Houston, the city needed a quarterback, needed a face. Then all the tragedy hit and this young man stepped up, you know, it, it not only just playing great ball, but kind of took the city under his wing. 
But uh, go a little bit in detail, you know, about how well Deshaun had been playing. And, I mean, it, it was just a brutal day all the way around. Yeah, Jeff, it was a tough day. But like you said, you know, he'd really sort of adopted Houston and tried to pay things forward. And, you know, when you think about Deshaun Watson, the person, Deshaun Watson, the human being, like a guy that, you know, had somebody like Warwick Dunn. You know, through his home building program, built a home for Watson and his family when Watson was a young boy. And so now when Sean Watson enters the National Football League, he's the first is a first round pick for the Houston Texans. You know, the hurricane hits the Houston area. And what does he do? He buys furniture for families in the Houston area. He donates his first game check to three cafeteria workers at the Houston Texans complex that take care of the players each day. So you're seeing not just Deshaun Watson have a great year to this point on the field, but off the field, the person that he is, paying it forward himself, just like Warwick Dunn had done for Watson and his family when Watson was a young kid. And so it's a special story. He's a great human being, a tremendous talent, an absolute shame to see his season cut short the way it was. I still think he should get consideration for Offensive Rookie of the Year because you know what he did for that Houston Texans team, the way he was playing the football, the quarterback position, you know, to this point before he went down. I mean, look, you're talking about a kid that, you know, was leading the NFL in touchdown passes, was putting up tremendous numbers, one of the league leaders in adjusted net yards per attempt, the sort of new and vogue quarterback stat that people point to, just having a magical type year. And it's a shame to see it get cut short, but, you know, he's already out there on Twitter saying that he's going to be back and he's ready to go. And the thing with Deshaun Watson that you cannot understate is his competitive toughness, his mental toughness. It stood out when he was at Clemson. You saw it stand out the way nothing phased him so far in his young NFL career, and I expect him to be back and better than ever next year. Yeah, I mean, you go to the two Alabama championship games, and I mean, the one thing you saw with him on those fields were is, you know, he didn't care. You know, he didn't care, you know, how big the program was, you know, how, you know, with the numbers, on, nothing got him down. You know, he, he you know, not, almost like the, the mentality of not going to back away from a fight. The only question I had with Deshaun Watson was, look, you know, maybe his velocity wasn't what of a Mahomes or a Kaiser, you know, the absolute raw velocity of the pass. That's why I pegged him for Houston. It, it was such a perfect match. And look, you know, J.J. Watt, probably the face of that franchise, but look, the injuries are just, you know, becoming more and more and you almost saw that Deshaun was taking that over and there's just levels to this you know the city needed him you know the team with all they went through with the owner you know obviously last week I think the one thing that the team said look even though the defense is injured we still got this guy we can put points on the board we can play with anybody so it's going to be a really interesting situation how you know Houston goes further from here because I think you know a lot of guys in that locker room had a lot of faith in Watson that you want to know what regardless what's going on we're still a competitive team because we got number four. And, you know, I, I drop my kids off at school every day. I see, you know, I got two daughters, but I see all the young boys, the watching jerseys were sewing up. You know, these kids, everybody was buying in. You know, just a tough, tough day. Um, we're going to shift gears here. Obviously, you know, you know, it, it's not, you know, Cleveland fans, some of them, oh, you know, I did actually see a couple. Oh, maybe we dodged a bullet because, you know, you know, Deshaun Watson got hurt. Stop. You didn't, did, you didn't dodge a bullet. Um you, you made the move. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser's here. Uh, as far as the draft picks, it's, you know, I hate to say it and even bring it up. This is going to help Cleveland, you know, holding Houston's first and second round picks. But that stuff we'll get to a later day. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser here. Uh, he's kind of put him, he's gotten himself into a situation that was very similar to the situation he left at Notre Dame. Uh, Mark, give me a little breakdown where he is right now as far as his play. I mean, I know rankings wise and stuff of that nature, it's not been too pretty. 
But give me some thoughts on what you're seeing so far. Yeah, Jeff, the, the numbers are atrocious. And we could just say that at the outset, and it's kind of a fact. I mean, I mentioned adjusted net yards per attempt and Y over A. 2.75, that's 33rd in the league right now. I mean, even Mike Glennon has put up better numbers than Watson. He's almost doubled it. I mean, not Watson, Kaiser. He's almost doubled what Kaiser has done. So while the numbers are bad and the performance has been bad and he's turned the ball over, there are a couple of things that I think we need to point to. One, he's starting to get a little bit better, just a tiny little bit better each game. You know, you look through so the week to week performance, you look to, you know, how he looked last week in London. I think some of the plays, some of the things that he did early in that game in that first half showed you signs that he's starting to develop. He's starting to get it. He made a couple of anticipation throws in that game, a couple of throws where you could see that maybe it's starting to speed up for him. You know, that's something I always look for when a quarterback transitions to the NFL. When they start making those transition throws, when the ball is coming out before the receiver makes his break, when you start throwing guys open, that's a sign that the game's speeding up for you. It's not too fast. You know, the game's slowing down for you is what I really mean to say. And so you're seeing that with Kaiser. I love the touchdown drive before the half. That was a nice little example of him, you know, sort of leading the offense in a two-minute drill situation. And so there have been flashes where, you could start to see him sort of piece it all together. You know, another thing I'll point to, and this is something I've been yelling about for weeks now, is how Hugh Jackson has sort of handled the on-field schematic X's and O's stuff. You know, put aside whether he should have benched him, whether he shouldn't have benched him. I've got thoughts on that to begin with, and I can yell about that if you want me to. But, you know, I go back to, like, say, week three, okay, get at Indianapolis, and I've got my chart in here up in front of me, Jeff, and I don't get until drive five. It's a play at the 757 mark of the second quarter where they actually use some kind of motion when Kaiser is going to throw the ball. It was his 13th pass attempt. And now people might ask, why, why, does, why does that matter? Why do I care? Well, you know, I'm the host of Locked On Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan. I watch the Patriots every snap, game in, game out, and I've done that since before I was even thinking about talking about football for a business. Watch how often they use motion. Watch how often they shift around. Watch how often they use things like stack slots. It's not a sign of weakness to try to get your quarterback a little bit of help. It's not a bad thing to send a guy in motion to help your quarterback diagnose the coverage pre-snap. The Patriots are doing that for Brady on probably 75% of their plays. And Tom Brady might be the greatest quarterback to ever play the position. Give your quarterback a little bit of help schematically. Give him some motion, some shifting to confuse the defense, to prevent the defense from being able to roll their coverage at the snap. Give him some motion so he can identify at least whether it's man man versus zone. Give your guy some help that was the biggest sort of problem i had from a pre-snap phase from hugh jackson then in terms of schematic stuff don't run four verticals on every single play like the amount of times they were running full force give them some half field reads give them some flood concepts some level stuff some defined reads the flat some bootleg stuff they've started to do that more with him which i think is a great direction to move in terms of how he runs the offense how they're calling the game for him but give the guy some help that was been my my biggest sort of you know maybe almost ragey jeff to watch it because it's like look get your young quarterback some help it's not a sign of weakness look around the league guys like tom brady are getting help on every single snap give deshaun kaiser a little bit of help from an x's and o's standpoint no and and that's you know one thing i agree with and the one thing i've talked about a lot is is you getting him out 
look, he can run and he runs pretty well. So get him out on the boots. You know, get him out there with the highs and lows. Obviously, you have the tight ends that can run these flat routes. You have two young tight ends that are special athletes. They should be able to contribute. Um, the wide receiver core, and this is, look, let's be honest. The wide receiver core is terrible. This probably isn't a great situation for a rookie quarterback to be in when you have wide receivers who can't separate. That's got to be a big issue, right? Yeah, it's a big issue. That's why, you know, I mentioned those stack slot situations. Get guys in stacks, you know, get Britt, get Coleman, get them in, you know, Ricardo Lewis, get them into some stack slot situations where, you know, they're not facing jams off the line. They've got a little bit of a freer release. I mean, the Patriots, they do that with Rob Gronkowski. Again, one of the greatest to probably play at the position. Like, give your guys some help. If you get a guy like Ricardo Lewis a free release, maybe he gets that separation, makes it an easier throw for Kaiser, makes it an easier read for Kaiser. It's just, again, helping your guys succeed on the field. That's job one for an offensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator slash head coach. Get your guys in position to succeed. And I feel like that more than anything has been lacking this year from Cleveland. Uh, everybody listening to Locked on Browns, guys, by all means, please, it would be a good time to go ahead, slam down, you know, subscribe, leave the five-star review, give me a nice little write-up. I truly, truly appreciate it. Mark, is Hugh Jackson's offensive philosophy and Deshaun Kaiser, is it a fit? I, I thought it was a fit, Jeff. I really thought it was a fit. I mean, I'm flashing back to all the podcasts, all the shows I did right after the draft when – you know, Kaiser sort of fell to them in the second round. And I remember saying, man, this is the perfect spot. This is the perfect spot, the perfect marriage of coach, quarterback, talent, scheme. I thought this was going to be a match made in heaven, Jeff. And it just hasn't panned out that way. And remember all the stuff we were saying about Kaiser last March, last April. Man, he just needs a coach that he can play for, a coach that will believe in him, a coach that will, you know, not you know, get in his face after a mistake or get in his face after an interception. You don't want to be in a situation where you make a mistake and you look to the sideline and you wonder if Brian Kelly is going to yell at you or pull you or bench you or whatever. And here we are like eight months later and we're talking about the same stuff with Deshaun Kaiser because he's going through it again because, you know, sitting him down at halftime of that Jets game and you and I talked about this a little bit, that just was the wrong message to send because it's a it's a 3 nothing game at the half. Like, if you're going to sit down a rookie quarterback in that situation, the message it sends to him is, I don't believe in you to win a 3 nothing game. Like, that is just the absolute raw message. Like, if you want to bench him after he's thrown three picks in a 42 nothing game, fine. But a 3 nothing game, that is just the absolute worst possible message to send a quarterback because it tells you that I just have absolutely no confidence in you. And quarterback is a position you have to believe that if you make a mistake – that you're not going to just lose your job on the spot because it's a position where you can't play it timid. You can't play it scared. You can't play it afraid. You have to be aggressive. But if you start doubting yourself, if you start believing that if I make a mistake, if I throw a pick, I'm going to get benched, you're going to slow yourself down. You're going to overthink things. And these are the things that we saw Kaiser doing. Slow to make reads, slow to get the ball out, was afraid at times. And it all sort of stems from that lack of confidence. And so – I thought that the marriage was going to be great. I think it could still be great. I think schematically and stuff, Hugh Jackson can do stuff for him. But it just hasn't panned out the way we thought it was going to. I'll be honest. I, I think Hugh's gone. And I think his you know, backdooring try to get A.J. McCarron the other day, you know, it was a slap in the front office. I, I think Hugh is in some serious trouble here. But like you kept bringing up, the, the, you know, the fact that Deshaun's nervous now that he can't make any mistakes. 
And this is another thing where I think Hugh is, you know, kind of made his own bed. You don't name him the starter when you have this young guy. You had, you know, two guys familiar with your system. You had a veteran in Osweiler and say, this is our guy. We're going to ride him through the ups and the downs. And now you're treating him like a yo-yo. You can't do that once you've told the kid, look, you've got carte blanche. I understand the mistakes are going to happen. Hugh kind of dug his you know, own grave, I think, with that one. And look, regardless, when a front office and ownership is going to look down and it's 1-31 or it's 2-30 or it's 3-29 over two years, you're not saving yourself. Um, Mark, let's go a little bit to the, you know, there's two ways to go here. Look, either way, the Browns have a boatload of capital. You know, they can go the free agent route to, to bring in, you know, stiff competition for Kaiser. They can draft. Uh, I'm going to go free agency here first. Look, obviously, you know, we're probably going to see Kirk Cousins available. Everybody thought, you know, San Francisco was a lock. Obviously, they pulled off the Garoppolo deal. AJ McCarron may end up being available. Alex Smith. Is there someone here maybe who's comparable to Kaiser where you would say, you know what, maybe this would be the good guy. And, you know, let's see way, way it works and see who wins. Yeah, Jeff, I actually have a piece in on a Bleacher Report right now making the argument that it should be Cousins that they should consider. And the argument that I'm kind of making there is, look, you know, Cleveland has to settle this quarterback position once and for all because I rattled off the list of guys that have started the, at the quarterback spot for the Browns since 2002 when they reached the playoffs with Kelly Holcomb. And it's not exactly a murderer's row of talent at the quarterback <laughs> position, Jeff. It's just it's – just, it's just awful. And so I think what they need to do is avoid sort of the rookie route because at this point you need to take the capital that you talked about, take the draft picks, the cap, all that stuff, invest in young talent at the other skill positions. You mentioned wide receiver, I think running back as well. And invest that there and then get a guy like Cousins who's established himself – as a quarterback in this league, maybe he's not a high ceiling type guy, but he's a functional, stable, steady type quarterback because that's what they need at the position. Because look, here we go. Since 2002, Kelly Holcomb, Tim Couch, Jeff Garcia, Luke McCown, Trent Dilford, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn, Ken Dorsey, Bruce Grudowski, Colt McCoy, Jake DeLome, Seneca Wallace, Brandon Whedon, Thad Lewis, Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, Connor Shaw, Josh McGowan, Austin Davis, RG3, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, Deshaun Kaiser. That's nightmarish. And you need some stability at that spot. And so I think a guy like Kirk Cousins can fill sort of that role, can lock down that position for at least the next four or five years. Okay? And then you – have picks. You're going to have Houston's first and second. You've got to have the picks to address talent at other positions on the offensive side of the ball. You've got some guys, Njoku's a nice little tight end. I like the valve as well. You know, you need some wide receiver help. There's a running back I think we're going to talk about that could help this team as well. And so I think you bring in Cousins, you infuse some talent at wide receiver or running back, and then you're talking about an offense can actually be effective. Yeah, and the one thing where I like the name of Cousins is you look at what he's done in Washington, Jordan Reed. Yeah. You look at Vernon Davis. You look at Niles Paul. He's got two young tight ends. Kirk Cousins knows how to use tight ends. So, I, you know, I, if, if that's the case, and even still, if Deshaun comes back year two and he blows Cousins away, look, that, that's a great thing to have. It's a great situation to be in because, you know, Cousins still would be an asset at his age, you know, what, with his track record, you know, it, 
having the second quarterback and they both end up playing well, that, that's only a good thing. You look at the Shab Vic, you know, situation years ago, which worked out for Atlanta. Um, but like I said, guys, we're going to get to, uh, look, mybookie.ag. Uh, always thankful for any sponsorships we go to here at Locked On. Uh, use the promo code Locked On. They'll match your initial uh, deposit up to 100%. Uh, me and Mark, we're gonna go uh, two picks each. Uh, I'm gonna let I'm gonna defer to Mark here first. I was nice enough as the host to let Mark T up first. Mark, go ahead, give me two picks for this week. Well, it's mighty kind of you to let me go first, buddy. But I think it's probably because you're expecting that I'm gonna choke here. And <laughs> you know, I, I the number in this game has actually moved a little bit. When I saw it, it was Atlanta actually getting one, but now they're given two. Atlanta at Carolina, but I still like Atlanta in this game. You know, I think Carolina, yeah, you know, they're they're playing okay, but I don't think they're playing as well as they could be. I think Atlanta's due to sort of figure things out on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going Atlanta there. And then another game that I've got on my radar, and it's because basically, look, one of these teams is just uh, in just bad shape. And that's Rams at Giants. You know, and the Giants are getting four. I mean, I think that's a low number. Yeah, it's at New York. Yeah, it's one of those biorhythm games where the Rams are coming east. But still, I like the Rams in that one. So Rams in one game and Atlanta in the other. Okay, well, two things I'm just going to say about the two picks you had. I think Atlanta turned a corner last week. Uh, you know, re- basically, you know, the old Berman line, you know, circled the wagons. You know, in the pouring rain against the Jets, I think that was a big moment for them. I think maybe hopefully now, you know, defending, you know, well, not defending, I'm sorry, <laughs> not defending 28 to 3 28 to 3 my friend <laughs> yes and, and how funny is it with you being on but i think that was a big moment for them maybe they rallied and everybody kind of got together so i think it was a big moment for them last week and with the rams and now this is where i'm going to put it cleveland browns related look jared goff looked awful last year and i know you were a jared goff guy i was a jared goff guy look there's a lot can change within a year granted the coaching change came and everybody thought they brought in Jared Goff, a friend. No, they brought in a guy who looked at Jared Goff and said, I know what you can do. I have faith in you. I'm going to put you in the best position to succeed. So, look, and, and the Rams are a nice story right now. They really are. My two picks. Uh, look, Tennessee's laying four and a half against Baltimore. I don't care what happened in that Thursday night game, Baltimore versus Miami. Baltimore is a bad football team. You look at this team skill position-wise, and when Alex Collins is basically your best skill player and you picked him up off of the scrap heap, I'm a huge Alex Collins fan. I do believe he got the run of the deal everywhere he's kind of been through his NFL life to this point. You know, Seattle probably wishes they had him right now. But look, Baltimore's a bad team. Tennessee's laying four and a half. Tennessee, Corey Davis is back this week. Uh, Tennessee needs to get on the schneid. I think they thought they'd just probably be running away with this division. Uh, Jacksonville's kind of shocked everybody as well as their defense is being as played. But uh, take Tennessee laying the four and a half. Now to Jacksonville, laying four and a half to Cincinnati. Look, all Blake Bortles has to do right now is essentially be Trent Dilfer. Your defense is ridiculous. You just added Marcel Darius. You're even better. The best weapon Cincinnati has is A.J. Green. You have two top 10 cornerbacks in the NFL right now at the level they're playing at in Jacksonville. I think four and a half is a miscarriage of justice. Take Jacksonville in the four and a half. Uh, okay, Mark, uh, we're going to get a little bit in here. Look, and we'll go to this because I, I, you kind of touched on it. If, if Cleveland was to a- address the quarterback position 
through free agency, whether it's a Cousins, whether it's an Alex Smith, whatever, if you felt comfortable with what you added, why? Everyone says Saquon Barkley is the number one player in the 2018 draft at this point. Why is it so outlandish for him to go number one? Fournette panned out, panned out at four so far. Elliott has panned out at five. Why is it so crazy for a guy, and Saquon Barkley's track record is, I mean, look, Fournette didn't have off-field issues. Elliott kind of had a little bit of noise. Saquon Barkley is as clean as they come prospect-wise. He is as good as they come prospect-wise. Why is it so crazy if he's available at one for Cleveland to take him? I'm going to get to Barkley because I'm right there with you in a second, but I want to Go back for a second, Jeff, to something you just touched on because you made the Goff-Kaiser comparison. And I want to tell you just how accurate that is because here we go. Through seven games last year, Goff had seven starts, completed 54.6% of his passes, five TDs, seven picks, an ANYA of 2.82. Deshaun Kaiser, seven starts, seven losses, three touchdowns, 11 picks. So the picks are, you know, a bit higher. But again, an ANY of 2.75. Other than the interceptions, the numbers are almost identical. And now you're seeing what a quarterback can do when you get a guy like Sean McVay come in and give you passer-friendly, quarterback-friendly concepts. So the development can come. Goff looked lost last year. And look at him right now. He's playing the position incredibly well. And so that gets to what I was talking about at the outset. Give the guy some quarterback-friendly schemes, some quarterback-friendly concepts. Good things will happen. Now plus, to say, go oh, go plus, ahead. Plus, add a couple of weapons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, they got they got Cup for him. They got Watkins for him. You know, they got some another young tight end for him and Gerald Everett. Like, they added some talent there. So that's what you do. But to your point, to the point about adding talent to Saquon Barkley. Look, I went to see him in person when they played Indiana. Indiana at Penn State. And I got to tell you, Jeff, look, from the opening kickoff, which he took back for a touchdown, every time that kid got his hands on the ball or got his hands near the ball, all 110,000 people at Beaver Stadium held their breath. You could just hear that sound where 110,000 people just hold their breath because they're expecting something magical to happen. Barkley is a transcendent type player, okay? Like you said, he's a clean prospect. As a running back, as an offensive weapon, he is an incredible prospect. What stood out to me more than anything, his pass protection. It was better than I expected it would be. Sometimes you don't expect a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's so transcendent at the other stuff, to you know, get his nose dirty in those situations. But he was doing that at a high level, too. And so I think if Cleveland goes the free agency route of the quarterback spot, if they bring in a Kirk Cousins, grab Barkley at one. The stuff you could do with that offense with him, now you're talking about an offense that can put points on the board because you've got DeValve, you've got Najoku, you add in Barkley. Yeah, you can still do stuff with Crowell, you can still do stuff with Duke Johnson. You dress wide receiver probably a little bit later in the draft as well. Maybe you bring in a slot type guy via free agency, like a Travis Benjamin type. Then you now you're cooking with gas. Like now you could put some points on the board. And so if that's the route they choose, if they go the free agency route, if they got the first overall pick. Like, just just start working on the deal now. Tell Barkley to start shopping for real estate in Cleveland area because that's that seems like a no-brainer to me. You see, the thing for me is, is like, you know, you look at, like, for me, as simple, and to put it in simple terms, is what Barkley brings, what happens when you have no power in your house? You have a generator. Yeah. Barkley brings the generator. He excels in the passing game. 
He excels in the running game. And like you said, he does the intangible well, the intangibles well. And what drove me mad about Saturday night in Columbus, those last four plays, how are you not in somehow, some way using Saquon Barkley? First things first, you you don't need to start with a pass. Give the ball to Saquon Barkley. That is your bread and butter. And that's probably why they lost that game because they didn't find a way to feature him. And, like, everybody gets on me, all with the running back, all the Penn State running back. You know what happens with those guys? Look, you know, that's if you want to go back 30 years and blame Blair Thomas and stuff like that, you know, you can't do it. You just – look, if he's the number one overall player in this draft, it makes zero sense to me that he cannot go number one overall. All right, Mark, we're going to go on uh, you know, the uh, rookie quarterback class here. Uh, I'm going to do a little hit and run here. You know, give me some brief tidbits. Sam Darnold, obviously this year has not gone as good as we thought. Uh, you know, the mistakes are picking up, but Sam Darnold, where's he at here now year two? He's going back to school. I mean, I think that's that's the route that he should take. Which he, told us, which he put on the table in August. Yeah, and I, I think it makes the most sense for him because, you know, and I'm not one that gets caught up in sort of expecting and hoping to see like big huge developmental leaps year to year like i expect guys to sometimes regress but donald's regressed a bit the mistakes like you said they're climbing jeff the throw in motion it is somewhat of an issue right now because milliseconds matter in the national football league and i'm not seeing an overpowering type arm where he can make throws with that throw in motion and it's not going to cost him it's not going to result in situations where guys can break on the football. I still think that that's an issue for him to kind of clean up. I don't need a complete overhaul. just want to seek it out a little bit quicker. That and the mistakes, I think we all sort of put too much on this kid's plate. He's not the only guy in the class we've done that to, but I think that's happened. I'd like to see him go back to school. If he comes out, he will probably be a, a first-round pick. I mean, that's what happens to quarterbacks. They get sort of overvalued. And so he will probably be a first-round pick. I still would like to see him go back to school. Okay, I can't, I can't disagree with that. And I think he was the smartest one about this to put out with, I have no plans of entering the 2018 draft in August. Look, you can either... You know, things change, and you now declare, or you want to know it. I told everybody I'm fine where I'm at. And look, at 20 years old, you know, you see with Kaiser and other guys, it's sometimes the age, you know, and this is where, you know, I used to have a problem with the, you know, Bill Parcells. You need to be the certain age. I want a certain amount of college experience. But sometimes you look at some guys and say, oh, you know what, maybe that's why he thought what he thought. Um, uh, moving basically across the street. Mr. Rosen over at UCLA, where are your thoughts at? I mean, he's he's in that top three group for me right now. Um, I, I think if Cleveland prettiest, decides – Prettiest thrower of the ball right now, I would say. Just, I mean, textbook, textbook. I mean, if you if some coach came to ask me, you know, you know, g- give me a couple of minutes of a video on guys who you want to, you know, show high school kids how to throw the football, Josh Rosen would be in the mix. I mean, it's just crisp mechanics. Yeah, he's made some mistakes too, but you see a little bit of that competitive toughness with him, that comeback against Texas A&M to kind of start the season. You know, yeah, he got away with a couple of throws there, but, you know, of the three guys that I'm the most excited about right now, he's certainly in the mix. And, you know, given, you know, some of the quote-unquote red flags that we'll get up to with the other guys that I'm excited about, it wouldn't surprise me that he be, he becomes the first QB off the board. Now, again, red flags. I'm sure scouts, some, it is a anonymous scout season coming. 
are going to get into the whole off the field, his attitude and things like that. But I, I dismiss that. I, I don't put much stock into it. I think for what he can do on the field, he's probably, I don't want to say a surefire thing in this class or the surefire thing in this class, but I think he's near the top. Uh, the one thing I worry about is when, because I, I mean, it seems like Rosen's a foregone conclusion. He's going to be in this draft is when uh, the guy down in Washington Somebody circulates the photo to him about the hat he wore while he was playing golf. Yeah. This is something no 20, 21 year old needs to deal with. And, uh, you know, I, it just, it, it's going to be ugly because you just know the way the, that account works. But look, I, Josh Rosen throws the prettiest ball. And look, I know we're in the, uh, people are making excuses, you know, look, these guys aren't playing with much. But look, Josh Rosen is not playing with much with UCLA. You know, at, we were asked the other night, you know, if you had to take a quarterback at one for Cleveland, who would you take? I, I think it would be Rosen just because, you know, the actually throwing of the ball, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's a pretty thing. It's a pretty thing. Uh, this one here, uh, go ahead. I know you're waiting to do it. Uh, number eight, down in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Look, he's a special player. I think he's a special player that can play quarterback in the National Football League and play it at a very, very high level. I think people overlook the offensive concepts that he's running. People look at what he's doing and they see, you know, slant flat, curl flat, slant swing, and they think, oh, you know, that those are easy offensive concepts. They, they don't really work in the NFL. Jeff, you know this probably better than anybody here. Turn on the Jets right now. What are the Jets doing on like 55% of their snaps? Slant flat, curl mm-hmm. flat. I mean, Louisville is running NFL concepts, and he has the process and speed, the mental awareness to make those throws. He, you know, run three level reads, two level reads, flood concepts, and things like that. And then when you add in the factor that he's a game changing athlete with the football in his hands, I think it makes sense to draft him in the first round and build an offense around him. Look no further than the guy we sort of opened the show with in Deshaun Watson. Look at the sort of offense that Bill O'Brien was sort of, sort of incorporating with him. I mean, they ran a simple concept that I'll talk about here in a second. But for two of their big plays against Seattle, they had all this motion, read option stuff, guys running swing routes, motion into and then out of the backfield. But it was just Yankee concept when you strip all that stuff away. Deep post route, shallow, well, intermediate, you know, crossing route but with Hopkins and Fuller. Yankee concept, something the Patriots do on you know three or four plays a game. So they were just using all that sort of eye candy, that window dressing, but it's still just NFL-type offenses, but incorporating some of that read option stuff that Watson used to do in Clemson. You can structure an offense like that for Lamar Jackson and have success with it. This talk about him not having the frame, moving him to wide receiver. Like, why are you going to take the football out of his hands and then rely on, like, a Blaine Gabbert to get the ball to him? Like, come on. Like, the kid can play quarterback in the NFL. He deserves a shot to play quarterback in the NFL. But I'm just one guy here on a Friday night with a seltzer in my hand and talking to my boy Jeff. I'm not an NFL general manager. You know there are going to be people who look at him, look at his frame, look at the offense, look at all that stuff and think, it can't be me. I'm not going to do it. That's no. fine. But if I had, if I was a decision maker, that I, I wouldn't hesitate to draft that kid. Okay, seltzer. Cute, Mark. Cute. <laughs> um, the one thing with Lamar, and, and maybe this is just like where I get a little bit worrisome with the Deshaun Watson news yesterday when your mobility is such a great ability, it affects your availability. You take it back to Michael Vick. You take it back, uh, you know, obviously with Watson and, and these guys. It, it's something you got to worry about. It's kind of like when you have a Porsche and you want to tear up the highway, tear up the roadways. 
when something serious happens to those legs, it's not like, well, okay, well, it's a sprained ankle. We'll keep you in the pocket for a couple of weeks. They're gone for a year. So I do understand a little bit of the cause of concern that way. But look, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just kind of ride the wave, man. Just ride it and, you know, hope you can enjoy the hell out of it while it lasts, you know? Yeah. And, you know, with, with Lamar, with Watson, I mean, we're seeing, you know, some of these guys, you know, we saw it with Mariota with a broken leg last year. Another you know, one. You need a plan B. You know, teams need to address the backup quarterback position much better than they have been throughout the past couple of years because you're one twisted knee like Ryan Tannehill. You're one back injury like Tony Romo a few years ago. To having a lost season, if you don't have an answer there, then you're scrambling for the TJ Yates's and the Matt McLoins of the world. Like, address the quarterback position, the backup quarterback position, better in the offseason mitigate that risk because you need a plan b i mean if you were to sit down and rank your roster from one to 53 in terms of importance at each position how soon are you going to get to backup quarterback probably quicker than you think because again if you lose a, a right guard like okay you got to replace the guy but it's not like losing your qb your season could be sunk if you don't have an answer at the backup spot so if there's one message one lesson i could impart on the rest of football Twitter before I shuffle off this mortal coil, it's this. Address the backup quarterback position better than we have been. Exactly. I mean, you know, almost try to get yourself a Siamese twin. Even if it's a little bit lesser of a Siamese twin, you want two guys who can do, you know, similar things. And, you know, that's what you're working with. Before we get to number six down in Norman, Oklahoma, I know you are a fan of Josh Allen. But the one thing I respect about you is you're – you understand it. You're serious about it, and you understand. It's been tough for him. Uh, you know, he's playing okay against the competition in his conference. He's playing poorly against when he plays out of conference. But I, I know you, you know, think there's some talent there, some special talent there. So give me some thoughts on Mr. Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm a fan. Like, I I look at Josh Allen, and to me, he's Nuke Lelouch, Okay. He's got the $10 million arm. He certainly has that. You can't deny that the kid has elite-level arm talent, the type we haven't seen, well, Mahomes last year, but then beyond that. But what I really wanted to see from him was, can he become a passer? Right now, he's a pure thrower. Can he become a passer? Can he learn touch? Can he learn anticipation? Can he learn ball placement? Can he throw the change up when he needs to on sort of that crossing route when you've got an underneath hold defender and you get to sort of fit it over him? And I just I just haven't seen it from him yet. I just haven't seen him from him yet at all. And you know, to keep extending this baseball football analogy, you get drafted in the NFL, you don't go to the Carolina League. You don't have Crash Davis teaching you how to play, you know, the position you know, at the professional level, you don't get to sit in the minors. Like you get drafted, you go out there and you're facing the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom in Seattle where the 12th man is making it so loud you can't hear yourself think. Like there's no learning curve. There are no minor leagues here. Like he's in the minors right now, basically. And so I just haven't seen it yet from him. I don't deny the talent, but here are two things that I think are absolutely true, at least as we sit here tonight, Jeff. Josh Allen will get drafted in the first round. But Josh Allen should not get drafted in the first round. I don't see a first-round quarterback right now. I just don't. And, 
you know, maybe some GM in a situation where they've got a guy like a Philip Rivers type situation where you're the Chargers and you know that Rivers is on his way out. You maybe have a year or two left with him. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, Roethlisberger has hinted at retirement before. Maybe you get one or two years left with Big Ben, but you draft Josh Allen. I'd be okay with that. I could almost understand that in the first round. But if you're drafting Josh Allen to see rookie snaps, if you're drafting him to start year one, God bless you. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, it's tough. Would you graduate if you're Josh? If you're Josh Allen, you graduate. Do you do, do you go grad transfer? I man, you know Kyle Krabs at NDT Scouting <laughs> has put this idea in my head. Graduate transfer, go to Michigan, run a West Coast offense under Harbaugh, and show everybody that you can do those type of things. Because right now, I, I just don't see it. But I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, because he's going to end up being overdrafted. I mean, it's all the recipes and, you know, the connect the dots for where it's going to be, you know, a franchise, a fan base in a year and a half. Well, this guy's nothing. We've seen nothing from him. I mean, if I learned anything from the Hackenberg experiment, and look, you know, Allen, I do like better than Hackenberg. <laughs> That's how bad Hackenberg yeah, was. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't want to bring this kid. And, like you said, you know, and use the baseball analogy, this is almost like taking him from the Carolina League. And throwing him in the NFL. Yeah. He's he's just not ready. He has not faced enough of the level of competition. It, 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 just please. I mean, at this point, just do the grad transfer. Because yeah. the I, worst thing is he'd go to Mobile and probably look good, and it's only going to make it worse. And right? the thing with – yeah, and, and sort of the thing here is, you know, I can start to hear people, as you were saying that, just say, well, you know, Carson Wentz was playing at the FCS, you know, he wasn't a Division One A quarterback. He was a one double A guy. Like, what made him a first round tr- talent? And you know, here's the difference. Like, yeah, Wentz wasn't going up against elite talent every week, but you could see in him more than just an arm. You could see, you know, a smart kid making reads. Was given like free reign at the line of scrimmage. Was stepping up in big moments with competitive toughness. Back to back national championship you know, seasons, you know, at the FCS level, has the injury his senior year, works his way back, doesn't play a clean game in his final game at North Dakota State. But you could see, look, there's that competitive toughness inside him. And that, as we're going to talk about with the next kid, number six down in Norman, you can't overstate how important that trade is at the quarterback position because as we started talking about with Deshaun Kaiser, look, when you lose that confidence, you lose it as a quarterback. Competitive toughness matters so much. You know, we saw it in Wentz. We saw it in Deshaun Watson, certainly, when he gets helicoptered by Reuben Foster in the national championship game, but pops right back up like nothing happened. And you're sitting there as an, on an Alabama sideline, like, what do we have to do to beat this kid? Like, that's the type of stuff that drives quarterbacks to win, to win for their, t- their teams. And it drives teammates, to, when they see that, to play for those guys. And so that's that's it right now. Like when people might want to throw out the Josh Allen, Carson Wentz questions, like that's where I would respond. That's how I would answer those. Uh, and without further ado, I don't think any quarterback has raised their stock more this season. And look, the size is going to be a question mark. But uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, just he's a thrill to watch. Uh, another... It's going to be fun to watch him, you know, obviously with Mason Rudolph across the field this week, uh, at the Bedlam matchup. But Baker Mayfield, I mean, look, the size is going to be a question. But has anybody done anything more to raise their stock so far this season than Baker? No, I mean, the only guy that's probably had a similar sort of rise would be Will Greer at West Virginia. I think he's sort of played himself into the conversation, maybe not a first-round type conversation, but certainly a day-two type conversation. But for Mayfield, man... 
you know, that, that night at the horseshoe, you know, to go into Ohio State and just take that game by the throat. I mean, that's just, you know, those stories of him, like, talking to fans in the stands, saying how he's going to hang touchdowns on him and going out and doing it, like, planting the flag. Like, yeah, that might rub people the wrong way. But, again, that's the kind of competitive toughness, that competitive fire I was just talking about. And he has it in spades. Is the size going to be a question mark? Yeah, Jeff, as you said, absolutely. You know, hopefully he hits at least, like, that six-foot mark because, you know, then you get to that sub-foot sub six foot and GMs are going to really shy away. But the Russell Wilson comps have been thrown about. I think in some sense, they kind of seem to make sense to me, but he has certainly helped himself. You know, if I were a GM and I, you know, was looking to address the quarterback position, Mayfield Rosen and Lamar Jackson right now are sort of my top three. And I think they're becoming sort of the top three for most people. Are you taking Baker Mayfield in the first round? Some might, I might be inclined to do it. Others might not. But I think he's definitely played himself into at least the point where it's a consideration. And if you had asked us back in March, you know, back this summer, would Baker Mayfield play himself into first-round contention, it was going to be a stretch to see that happen. But he's done it. And, you know, full credit to him because he's putting together one heck of a season. He's got all the makings of a team sneaking up into, you know, the 20s area. Because you know what they they understand that maybe he's got you know a ward or two obviously the size but you want to know what there's going to be guys in that room that say look man I will put my job I will put my resume on the line for him and that's what he's done at this point he's been a thrill to watch uh, Mark look I appreciate it bro always a pleasure man dude my man this has been a blast this has been a blast and you've been crushing it man look. You Browns fans, you guys don't know how lucky you are. You don't know how lucky you are. I know the team is struggling, but you guys have a great one here. And Jeff, taking care of you guys five days a week. I love the show. Listen to it myself. So, you know, hit that, mash that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Next time you go to go to the game, tell the people you're sitting there. Next time you go somewhere to watch a game at the bar, tell everybody to subscribe to Locked on Browns. Jeff is taking care of you guys five days a week. So do them a solid. Do me a solid. Take care of my boy here, will you? Yep. And, guys, look, I put out today, I put out the uh, Locked on Browns Facebook page. Get on there. Uh, look, I'm trying to promote the living daylights out of this. Check out Mark over at Locked on Patriots. Did a fun series this way. This week, well, you know, maybe a little jealous from the Browns' standpoint on past Super Bowls. Uh, that didn't really work for us on the uh, on the bye week. So that's what I brought you what I did. Uh, look, Locked on Browns, the Friday Night Edition, brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Mark, have yourself a great night, man. Always appreciate it, buddy. You too, my friend. All right. Off to Daddy Uber. Do you All right, buddy. Go. All, All right, right my good, friend. Bud. You too, man. I'll see you soon. Of course. Bye.